Go ahead and have a seat. Today our text comes for us from Luke chapter 14. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore... Any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Imagine the unimaginable life. The past, week, we, the past five weeks we've been looking at this sermon series from this perspective. Imagine the unimaginable life. Next week we move on to imagine the unimaginable grace of God. But this week we wrap up that unimaginable life. Let's review that. Jesus has taught us about the unimaginable life of a disciple through parables. Parables of like the lamp under a bushel. And we learned from that parable how the world is put right by Jesus' light shining in us and through us in our words and actions, especially in difficult times. Jesus taught about during the Pharisee and the tax collector how the truly imaginable life is not lived by clinging to our own greatness but in the grace of God who hears our repentant prayers, that when we humble ourselves, God lifts us up. Jesus taught us through the unjust judge that God is our judge who judges us unjustly because he does not judge us based on our actions, but based on the actions of his son on the cross. And though we don't deserve it, he declares us not guilty and gives us the righteousness of Christ. This unimaginable life, Jesus went on further to teach us through the parable of the wise and foolish builders. And we learned in those parables how through our baptism and a life of repentance and renewal, Christ builds our life on the bedrock foundation of Golgotha, where the reign of God's wrath has already poured out. And then we learned through the parable of the rich fool that the world says store up, but the Bible says empty your barns. The real, real way to riches is to give yours away. The real power is to serve. The real way to find joy is through generosity at home, at work, and in your neighborhoods. And then the question is, do you want this unimaginable life of being a disciple, of living your Jesus adventure in your everyday vocational lives? Do you want this? Jesus wraps that all up in our text for today, and he gives us five questions to consider before we ask for that unimaginable life to be our own. And they are hard questions, and they're confusing questions. Question number one, this is crazy. Are you willing to hate your family? 
Now, this is, this is crazy. This is wild. This is really confusing because, Jesus, if we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, you taught us that we know that we should not murder, but you told us that if we are guilty of even harboring hate against our brother, we are guilty of murder. How could you ask us to hate the family that you've gifted us with? Well, he's not using the word hate in a normal sense. This is, uh, in, in Jewish culture, to use this word can mean to hate like we understand it, but it is also, in the Jewish culture, it's an idiom. It's a phrase or a saying of a point of comparison. That's saying we should have God as our first love and order everything after that. That in comparison to our love for God, our love for everything else and everyone else is seemingly insignificant because of our great love for God. You know, we see this in Genesis chapter 29, this, this idiom use of this word hate. Jacob loved Rachel and hated Leah. Which that means that compared to how much he loved Rachel, his love for Leah was so much more insignificant. Not that he hated her. He just loved Rachel so much more. That's the love that God yearns for us to have for him compared to everyone else. Last week, God revealed that the number one false god in all of humanity is money. Money is what constantly competes for first place in our lives, the place where God would be. But the thing that is a really close runner-up to money is family, relationships. See, God wants us to love him in first place before our spouses, before our kids, before our parents. This is a first commandment thing, to have no other gods before me. All right, there's the first question. Kind of simmer in that one for a little bit. Question number two. Are you willing to bear your own cross? Now let's clarify exactly what that means. Because to bear one's cross does not mean to consider all the suffering and all the challenges and all the trials you have in your life. It's all the sufferings, all the trials, and all the challenges you have in your life because of how you share your faith. Because of how you spread the gospel, because of how you witness to Christ, it's not easy. Some people think that when they start getting back on the right road, they come back to church, they come back to God, they start living a, a faithful life, they pray more, they read more, that, that, that God will bless them, that their life will be easier, that everything will just magically fall into place. I used to pastor a church that was filled with drug addicts and, and alcoholics that were in the pathway to getting help and healing and building their relationship with God. And many of them were, had this brand new, exciting relationship with God. And they were, just, they were just on the pink cloud of joy and ecstasy with their relationship with God. And everything was going great until it didn't. And I would warn them and I said, sometimes God gives you a little bit of breath and a little bit of ease so that you can kind of get back into the swing of things. But I tell you what, I promise you this, if you are living out your faith, it will not be easy. It will not be a life of ease and peace and tranquility. It will be filled with difficulty and persecution and suffering. When Jesus called you to the cross, he's saying, I, I call you to a life of greatness, but I'm not calling you to an easy life. This will be hard. 
Jesus said, they, they are mocking, they will kill me, they will treat you even worse. Now, someone forgot to tell Jesus, you're going to attract more flies with honey than vinegar. So just stew in that question for a little bit. Question number three, do you have enough? Now, Jesus gives these two parables of this, this man who's about to build a tower and this king who's about to go off to war. And we have a, a defensive picture with a tower, an offensive picture with the war. Do you have enough to build the entire tower? Now, this tower, as I said, is a defensive structure. From a tower, you can see the enemy approaching. It's a place where you can protect what is yours. It's a strategic place where we protect our families, those we love most. From the tower, you can fight off the enemy. Building a tower is how we protect our families. We believe that we can protect them against all dangers against all harm. We build towers of financial security, educational opportunity, and moral integrity. That's the towers that we build. Now let's take a look at this king going off to war. Do you have the strength to fight an enemy that is twice your size? We all know that the best defense is a good offense, absolutely. You just charge that enemy before he has a chance to get to you. We strap on the armor of God and get ready for those spiritual battles that we know will happen. Because each and every day we face Satan and we face his demons and they are a very real presence in our lives prowling around looking for someone to devour. So we strap it on and we stand shoulder to shoulder and we get ready to fight. The enemy is Satan and all his demons. Their weapons are destruction, temptation, seduction, and damnation. And they're coming in hot. Just stewing that question for a little bit. Number four, are you willing to renounce all you have? Now it's simple. If you want to protect your family and fight off sin, death, and the power of the devil, then you must come under Jesus' command to give it all up. In order to receive anything more from God, we have to empty what we currently have a hold on. To be willing to let go of it all so that we can receive all that he has to give. This is the Jesus adventure. This is not the Jesus luxury cruise. Not the Jesus vacation. Are you able to pay the price? Now consider these radical demands that Jesus says it takes to follow him. Are you ready to meet those? Are you able to meet those? See, most people get these parables just wrong. They take these to mean that, boy, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, this is the cost it's going to take. These are the forces you're going to need to muster. This is the, this is the cost of what you will have to let go of. This is all about what you are doing. And we forget that we are just broken, fallen, sinful people who apart from Christ can do nothing. As I take a look at those five questions that Jesus asked, I, I think to myself, the first one about family. But when we put our family first, I think a lot. 
Now, sometimes that's in obvious ways, and sometimes it's in not-so-obvious ways. I've seen it in obvious ways. Uh, back in college, I was a part of the, the Wind Symphony at Concordia at, in River Forest. Now they call it Concordia Chicago. And we toured all over the place, and one of those guys that was on our group, he played percussion, and he was from China. And he was just an amazing, fun guy to spend time with, just overflowing with joy, very positive. But he came into contact with the gospel for the very first time while he was at school. And he fell in love with Jesus and his gospel message and this everlasting life. And then he hit a wall. He came to the realization that all of his ancestors, that cherished family heritage that he had, all of those loved ones who had died before him would not share eternity with him. And he made at that point in time the decision that he would rather spend time with his family in eternity, regardless of where that was, than to spend eternity with Christ. So that, those are obvious ways that we put family first. But sometimes there's so not so obvious ways. And personally for me, this, this is difficult as a husband, as a dad. Because I would do anything, anything for my family. Sometimes doing anything for your family means providing. Provide well. Provide work. Work hard. Spend a lot of time at work for family. I'm doing it all for family. But that slides into workaholism and, and you, you, you lift up work also as the idol above God and above family. But sometimes we bend over backwards for our family. Going above and beyond the call of duty. But maybe for the wrong reason. Maybe for the reason that we would just love to see love reciprocated back. I'm doing this so that I can see something come back to me. To see you love and cherish me. And when we do that, when we pour all of our heart and our soul and we hang all of our hopes and our dreams on somebody else loving me, other than God, we have just lifted family up to be an idol above him. You know, it's not fair to our loved ones to hang all of our hopes and dreams and successes on their shoulders. It's not healthy for them. And it's idolatry for us. We also don't carry our own crosses. I wonder if, just kind of think about and take stock in your own life right now. How much suffering do you face for the sake of the gospel on, on, a, on a regular week basis? And I would suggest, and, and, and not necessarily for all of you, but for some of you perhaps, your suffering is pretty light or non-existent. Because of your Jesus adventure and, and what you are or are not doing. And maybe if your suffering is non-existent, it's perhaps just a sign that maybe you should be doing, could be doing a little bit more. Or a lot of bit more for the kingdom of God. Do you carry the light of God into your home, into your work, into your neighborhood? Are you getting flack for your faith? If not, it may be time to up your game. And I think sometimes, too, we just don't have enough to believe that we can muster enough resources to build this tower ourselves will result in being shamed when we are incapable. Remember the Tower of Babel all the way back in Genesis. Mankind was coming together, erecting this huge tower for their own successes to be closer to God, to, to worship their own greatness. Only to have God confuse and humble and scatter them all. 
We will never, by our own initiative, by our own resources, be able to protect our family from each and every danger. You cannot build a tower strong enough to protect and guard against every enemy. To believe that we can muster our own resources for salvation ourselves will result in our defeat in the battle with Satan. And we renounce everything. Got to give it all away. It's all yours. I surrender my life. It's completely yours. And then what do we do? I don't know if you're like me. But if you're like me, you start going, boo, I'm going to take that one back. And I'm going to grab a hold of this one too. And I, and I really like to take control, so I'm going to grab power back to my own life. And, and I'm, I'm kind of greedy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to some of that greed and some of this control. I'm a control freak. Or maybe you struggle with addiction and you lay that down to, to, to God, but only to take it right back up again. Or you promise you're never going to go back to anger and frustration, but somehow that irritation is still underlying inside of your soul and it, it bursts out in anger. Or maybe you lay down a sin before God and he forgives you fully and completely, but you don't. And you hang on to that shame. And you hang on to that guilt. We renounce all, Jesus, but we love to take it back. I think if we take a very honest look at our account, whether or not we have enough, we simply do not have enough to cover the unimaginable cost of this Jesus adventure of discipleship. And that's why it is so incredibly important that, that I, I love the Jesus adventure idea because we are called, we are sent, we are called, we're equipped, we're sent. And thank God we are restored when we fall short. Jesus has paid the unimaginable cost for us to live the unimaginable life. Think about this. The Father hated his son, put his love for us above his love for his son. The father's plan of salvation meant the humiliation of his son. And when Jesus humbled himself on the cross, the father looked down on Christ and he saw all of our ugly sin piled on his shoulders. And not only did he hate his son, he turned his back on his son. And we love today because of the Father's great love for us. When we love God most, when we put him at the heart and center of our lives, the highest love that we have, it's amazing what happens in our ability to love our families in a healthy and strong, powerful way. Not so that we get love reciprocated back from our family, because it is such a sure joy to share the love that the Father has poured out on us, and especially to those who are so close to us, it's a joy and an honor to serve them vocationally as fathers, as mothers, as husbands and wives. Boy, talk about carrying your crosses. Jesus was the one who did it best. The cost of discipleship is death for Christ on the cross and for us in our daily lives. Here in this kingdom of God, the here and now, the, the experience of, that we have right now in the kingdom of God in our everyday lives, every day we need to die to ourselves, to die to our sin. To seek God's grace and mercy and repentance and renewal. This death happens as we drown our sinful selves in the waters of our baptisms and as we daily repent and are washed clean. That's the kingdom of God now. And then the kingdom of God to come, that glory that we will be fulfilled on our last day, 
we die our earthly death. We're asleep with Jesus. And then when Jesus returns, we are raised to life, imperishable, perfect. Because Jesus carried that cross. And Jesus is more than enough. He is our sure defense, our strong tower, the completed tower. The foundation has been complete. Jesus said, if I go, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I'm going to build that mighty tower for you to live in eternally. Psalm 61 says this, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Psalm 46 says, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 27 says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The only way to surely and certainty protect and defend your family is to walk with them in the Jesus adventure, sharing Jesus every single day, sharing that tower with them. And Jesus is our mighty army. In the parable today, the king who had 10,000 was being attacked by the king who had 20,000, knew to send a delegation out ahead. We're going to be wiped clean if we don't do this. So they send a delegation out to negotiate peace. You know, as we look at our own judgment, we have no way to pay that cost. We have no way to pay that price of death. We have no defense against our sinfulness. And so we send our delegate, who is Christ, to negotiate that peace with the Father through his own life, through his own death, and by his resurrection. Jesus negotiates peace with us and brings us into a right relationship with the Father, that healthy, healthy relationship. Jesus renounced all. He paid every price not with silver or gold, but with his body and blood, he renounced it all. He gave up the glories of heaven to be humbled to walk in the dust of this earth. He gave up the glory of breathing life and humbled himself to death on a cross, only to be raised to life, to ascend to glory in heaven, to inspire us to live this kingdom of God thing above all else, to love God above all else. Are you ready for discipleship? to continue the Jesus adventure. Here's the great news. Jesus Christ has already paid the unimaginable cost. The adventure is yours now to enjoy, to live without fear, without anxiety, without worry, to know that you are in that strong tower. Jesus has come to your defense. The high price of discipleship has already been paid. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your incredible love for us. Help us through that love to encounter that love and to love you in return above all things. To remove all idols from our lives, whether it be money or people or anything else. That you would be first. To know that you are our strong tower. In you we find our sure defense. You are that incredible delegation that went out to negotiate peace because you carried the cross and you poured out your life for ours to fill our lives to overflowing. Father, we praise you that Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price 
the unimaginable cost of our discipleship, this imaginable, unimaginable life. We pray this all in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.